Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. So we are in Galatians chapter 6, and talk about righteousness. So, school is back in session. Kids may not like that. I like the return to routine. I enjoyed school when I, you, you, you're not surprised, I enjoyed school. I, I enjoyed, I, I didn't enjoy the people I went to school with a lot of times. Um, I was that kind of nerdy kid that got picked on. I didn't like that part, probably because I enjoyed school. But I enjoyed school. I enjoyed college. I had a lot of friends that kind of became those forever students. I didn't want to do that, but I would have enjoyed it. Uh, I just couldn't, couldn't justify being per- further and further and further into debt. I wanted, wanted to learn stuff and then, and then use it. Um, I, <laughs> some, some people like school. Some people can't wait to get out. Some people like the learning a lot of people, what's the least I can do to get through this and get past it? So we had a class in, in, in college, in, in Bible college, called Senior Seminar. Um, Dan, Dan Clymer was my uh, professor for that. And Senior Seminar was take everything you've learned in college, and this class represents putting it all together. You have a paper that you have to write. And the paper was the majority of your grade for that class, and that class was required to pass to graduate Lincoln Christian College. So that paper was everything. That paper was absolutely, if you fail the paper, you don't graduate college. It absolutely came down to a paper. And so as Dan Clymer was, was handing out the assignments, and, and we all had to pick, we, we did the book of James, we picked different passages. Every one of us picked a different part of the book of James. Um, he said, are there any questions? And my, my friend Darren raised his hand, and I knew, sinking feeling, I knew where this was going. Darren said, I have a question. And, and Professor Clymer said, are you sure you want to ask this? Oh, please don't ask this, Darren. Please don't ask this. I have absolutely got a question. Are you sure, Darren, that this is the question you want to ask? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. What's the question? How long does it have to be? He said, well, till you asked that question, I had never specified, and it didn't matter, now that you've asked it 24 pages. So. What is the minimum amount I have to do to get by with whatever, Right? That's, that, that's, what, that's what we ask with life. What's the minimum amount of effort I need to put in to get X? Now, in some things, life doesn't work that way. If that's your question about marriage, what's the minimum amount I have to do to have a successful marriage? You've already failed, right? That's not how we... That's, and so if that doesn't work on marriage, and frankly, if that's at your attitude in school, you're not going to get good grades in school, obviously, and you're probably not going to do well in life. Employers don't want to hire people whose goal is what's the minimum I can squeak by with. And in our faith, if your attitude towards Christianity is 
what's the least amount of righteousness that I can get away with in my life and still call myself Christian, you've already missed the point. Righteousness is one of those words that we fear as Christians. It scares us. We're okay with the word good. It's kind of tangential to the word nice, which is kind of a meaningless word that has this kind of vaguely positive vibe. Good, I've said before that that good is this word. Buying comic books and and other things online as I do, um, there's mint and near mint and great and good and then acceptable and poor, and good's kind of in that bottom half of the list, to be quite honest. If I buy a book online and it is good, I already know the cover, the the spine is creased, the pages have probably been folded on the inside, because it's not a great book, it's just good. Biblically, good has a completely different definition. And, and, And the Bible calls us to be good. The Bible calls us to be righteous, and and righteous scares us. Uh, it, it terrifies us because we have this idea that if we're righteous, we're not going to have any fun anymore. We're going to be on street corners preaching at people, and and we can't watch movies or or TV or do fun things on a Friday night. You know, if we're righteous, we lose all the all the fun out of our life, and so we want to be good enough to get into heaven, but we don't want to be a saint. Well, you know, what, what's what's the minimum this paper has to be? Um, what's, what's the minimum I've got, I, I have to do to, to be able to still go to heaven, but party on a Friday night? But the problem is that we are called to be saints. Biblically, it is the saints who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. The world holds us back from being righteous. But as Christians, we have the freedom to be righteous. And it's not about losing our fun. But it is about being Christ-like, and if in being Christ-like we don't want that, then we probably don't want to be Christians. We are freed to be who God made us to be originally, and life is more satisfying. And frankly, I would argue more fun, even. Not that fun is the goal, but I think life is more fun when I follow God, when I try to act like Jesus. Um, when I'm in a relationship with him, and, and that's what it means to be righteous, is to be in a right relationship with God. So I want to look at that today in Galatians chapter 6, and start with, start with verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught up in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, for you also may be tempted Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions, and then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. So when I read this, I'm, I know I'm not alone in saying this passage almost, it seems on the surface to contradict itself, doesn't it not? Carry one another's burden, but carry your own load. Be humble, but here's what you can take pride in. 
Christianity is always this balancing act of we, we're not good because we have to be good, but we have to be good. We're, we're saved by grace, but obedience, obedience falls in there at some point. Be humble, but be self-confident in the Lord. So first off, let me, talk, let's, let's, let me say a word uh, about humility. Very easy to think that humility and pride are direct opposites, but they're not direct opposites. Uh, humility isn't a lack of pride. I would argue that humility is, is, a, is a proper understanding of who you are and of who you aren't. Um, we are to take pride in knowing Christ and him crucified. Paul is very clear on this in his various letters. Take pride in the fruit of the Spirit that we don't produce on our own. The Holy Spirit is growing in us and and. and and we want to be glad about that and grateful and, and, even, and even proud that the Spirit chooses to work in our lives that way. I want to be confident in my salvation. And I want to be proud about having a good relationship with Christ. Paul says that he resolves to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. And when I get that right, and too often I'm distracted, but when I get that right, that's worth taking pride in. The only thing that I have a right to take pride in is my relationship with God. Um, and, and this is not to the exclusion of others. Remember, Jesus gives us that example, that, that Pharisee that says, God, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. <laughs> that, that's not the kind of pride that we want. But we understand that we don't deserve a relationship with God, except that God is very loving, and because God loves us and has chosen to have a relationship with us, we can be proud of that. The other thing that Paul says here is that we are to carry each other's burdens, help each other, uh, help each other when we need it, but I would balance that with just don't assume then that it's everybody else's job to carry you. We do want to help others, and it's nice when other people can help us, but at the end of the day, that initiative starts on us. Other people, it's great when they're there for us, but they may not always be able to be there for us. At the end of the day, my relationship with God is my, I don't want to say my problem. It's a problem if I don't have a relationship with him. It's my responsibility. Uh, I, I don't, if I'm not close to God, I can't blame other people for that. That's on me. My goal is not to win against others. My goal is not to be holy at the expense of looking good, looking good to people at the expense of other people looking bad, right? It's, it's not, my goal isn't to see other, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ fail. It's not to one-up on them. Uh, my goal is the perfecting of the saints, the perfecting of the church. I want to draw closer to God, and I want to see other people draw closer to God. I can't feed people when I'm hungry. I can't help people when I'm in need. Jesus gives the example of trying to help someone get a speck of sawdust out of their own eye, out of their eye when they've got a, a board sticking out of their own face. I do need to worry about my own faith. 
I do need to help myself. If I'm not drawing closer to Christ, how can I help anybody else do what I'm not doing? And so it's important that I look to myself. First, yeah, yeah. Not selfishly that you don't matter. It's just that I, I know that I can't serve you if I'm in a bad place. I don't want to face surgery if my doctor's hands are trembling. I want my doctor to look to their own health first. I don't want to face, I, I don't want to go see a counselor who is themselves a mental meth, mess. Um, we, we, know the stati- we know the statistics. Um, counselors who have had a divorce are something like six times as likely to encourage couples to get a divorce to solve their problems. I want my counselor to be in a good place if I go see counseling. I want my doctor to be in good health if my doctor is getting ready to work on me. You want your preacher to be spiritually healthy if he's going to tell you how to be spiritually healthy. But we're, again, we're all called to be ministers. So that's not on the preacher or just the teachers or just the elders. It's on all of us that we're all called to minister to each other's needs, which means we all need to first make sure that we're in a good place before we can help other people out. When someone sins, our goal is to build each other up, not tear each other down. Adam and Eve were created righteous, but sin entered the picture. They got corrupted. Christ came to restore our relationship with God so that we can be the people that God made us to be. And, and, and we can't do it alone. That's why God gives us his Holy Spirit, because I can't be righteous on my own. And it is why he gives us the church and why I believe that the church is essential. And we're not talking about someone who... You know, we're not talking about Gilligan and his friends who wash up on a desert island and there's no church. We who have no excuse, this is the bride of Christ and the bride of Christ matters. And we're called to be a part of the church because the church is good for us. It helps us find God and, and we do help each other out and we want to help each other out. Righteousness means being in a right relationship with God. And at the end of the day, First and foremost, that's on you. We do come to church because we want that leg up. We want all the benefits that preaching and teaching and accountability and fellowship, all of these things help us. They are good for us. But but what I remember from school is that I could have some amazing teachers and good textbooks, and these could be teachers that could really be on fire and exciting um, on some subjects that weren't always exciting, and they could make it fun, and they could do good things on the chalkboard, and, and they could make they, they could take away a lot of the hurdles to learning. But at the end of the day, if I actually learned anything in school, it was because I learned it. They, they could take away so many of the problems. There, there's absolutely a difference between a bad teacher and a good teacher. But at the end of the day, kids that failed in school would sometimes sit next to the kids that got straight A's. And the difference obviously wasn't the teacher. The difference was the, difference was the student. And, and our faith is like 
that. At the end of the day, no matter how much other people help us, and that's a good thing, it is still on us to be righteous, to be the Christ-like, the person that we are called to be. That responsibility is on us. We can't blame it on other people. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I do not want a show of hands, but how many, I wonder, have played hooky at work or school and go back to school days to go hunting, go fishing? Um, what, what are we willing to skip out on for our hobbies? And that kind of shows some priorities, right? I only get, I'm not complaining. I get two weekends off a, a year. Uh, two Sundays off a year. I'm grateful for those. Um, what, do, what do I take my Sundays off for? What, on, only having two weekends off, what do I spend? You guys know what I spend my <laughs> comic book and game conventions, right? Um, I, because I enjoy those and, and, they're, and they're fun for me. Uh, as one of my friends, a preacher in Southern Illinois, uh, my buddy Kirk said, and we went to Bible college together, we both ended up in Southern Illinois, at one point when he was talking about the differences and the similarities of Christians, he said, Jason's hobbies, he said, I've never thought I would want a red-hot poker through the eyeball than, than, than to have to endure what Jason seems to find fun. We've all got our things that we... I, my best friend in high school loved hunting and fishing. I tried. I, because he was my best friend, I went with him all the time. I eventually enjoyed the fishing. I would just bring a book. He'd fish. I'd sit in the boat and read a book, and I... And then we both had fun. I don't really like hunting and fishing. I certainly wouldn't take a week of vacation. To, but there are people that absolutely, two weeks of vacation a year, one of those weeks is for hunting. I, we look at what matters to us, right? We look at where our priorities are, what we spend time on. And we see what's important to us, what we like to talk about. What do, do we like to talk about Jesus? Do we, do we like... Do we like this? Do we like the church? Do we like our, our faith? Or is it a chore? Ha. What you do catches up with you. What you sow, you reap. We sow good things, we reap good things. This makes sense. You, know, you don't sow soybean seeds and reap corn. We reap what we sow. If we do bad things, we get bad things. This makes perfect sense. We do good things, we get good things. If we sow discord, we reap discord. We surround ourselves with people. If, if we're always gossiping and nitpicking and trying to tear people down, they will come back on us. Those are the kind of people that we hang around with. They will treat us the same. There's nothing, super, nothing supernatural about this. It's not this, you know, we have taken this Hindu concept of karma which just meant cause and effect in India, and we've taken it and we've kind of done this weird, crazy 
voodoo, wooji vibe where, you know, you do something good to an animal over here, you're going to win a million bucks over here, kind of weird stuff. It doesn't work that way. The, the Hindu concept of karma was just law, cause and effect. I'm not into Hinduism, obviously. But the concept of cause and effect, if you surround yourself with bad people, bad things are going to happen to you. If you're always nice to people, some people will be nice to you, and that's just cause and effect. Bitter, bad homes make bitter, bad kids. If you treat your spouse with love and romantic affection, they will likely treat you back the same. That you, you, you were encouraging that. If you do selfish things, you will reap selfish things. If you are dishonest, people will be dishonest to you. If you are arrogant, if you are lazy, these things come back on us. That's nothing supernatural. That's just the nature of how people react to us. So, sometimes we can get the idea that in our faith, that we can coast along and be lazy in our faith, but what we do comes back on us, and that's dangerous. Paul says, don't grow weary. We're in the fight of our lives. He says, run the race as if for the prize. There will be time to rest later. Now's the time not to take it easy, but to strive in our faith. And so, in so many ways, we have built... I, I like old science, older science fiction. That was, I'll, I'll call it old science fiction. I like science fiction from the 40s and 50s. They had such hope in what we would do. By you know, 2001 Space Odyssey, we've talked about, about this, Space 1999. They, they trusted us to come up with flying cars and machines that would produce free food, simple, easy. Um, all those old pictures of, that looked like people living on Jetson-style bubbles in parks and stuff, that didn't come true. I swear our world is worse now than it was back then. They had such hope in us. But we, we, we did not live up to those expectations. We thought technology was going to make life easier. They lied. <laughs> it is so much harder now than it was. I don't like technology. I like, that's why I like old science fiction. It was so utopian what we were going to do with our lives. It's so not true. We, in the creation of television and internet and, and all these things that were supposed to make life easier, it got worse. Our paperless society produces more paper than ever before. Um, and, and, Life isn't easier, and so we. But but we've be, but we we've bought into that lie, and so because we've bought into that lie, I think we we've become lazier. We we watch so much TV, we don't we don't take care of ourselves the way that we should. We've gotten into the fast food because we've gotten lazy, and that hasn't been good for our health. Um, as a church, we take that laziness in our spiritual life, and that's dangerous. You know, lazy farmers don't eat. And they can't feed other people. They don't plant. They don't reap. Lazy churches starve to death. They die. There's no new blood, and the church dies off. Um, and, and, and more tragic than that is that other people die without knowing Christ because we didn't tell them. We get lazy. And I, and I think that we get lazy in part because we think, well, I'm saved by grace. I'm good. I don't, I don't need to work hard. That's, we, we talk all the time that you can't earn it. We, we get lazy because we're saved by grace and we forget that others are lost. And you know, why do we care? I'm, I'm saved. Well, I'm going to heaven. Somebody else's problem if they're not. But what kind of a reward does an attitude like that reap? 
and, and I have to ask the question, do I, do I fall into that? Maybe, maybe the better question is how often do I fall into that? I, I think that it is a matter of priorities. When Christ matters, we share him. In the same way we sow righteousness, we reap righteousness. We can't keep Christ to ourselves. It is important it, it is important that to reap righteousness, we have to sow it, and that that reaping is that the church grows, that our that our our, our, our people come to know Christ, and that's our job is is to minister not just to each other, but to the world that needs us to minister to the world. Let's finish the chapter, verse eleven. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. You've heard me say this before. I am convinced that Paul had a trauma-induced cataract. And when he talks about the thorn in his flesh, that's what he's talking. I, I may be wrong. It's just Jason's opinion, but all that evidence adds up. I think that Paul was severely vision-impaired and that when he wrote, it was giant jumbo letters. That's just my opinion, but there we are. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. The older I get, the more I get the power of nostalgia, remembering days when they were more fun and enjoyable. Um, my my, I, I watched my father go through that, and and my so my father bought at one time he bought a uh, an Alice Chalmers tractor because his grandfather had an Alice Chalmers, and he had pleasant memories of riding on his grandfather's tractor. So my dad wanted that tractor. Likewise, I remember growing up, we had one of those radios that stood this tall. Kids would just be an be an odd. I mean, because you can fit everything on a thumb drive now, the size of a tic tac. Back then, this radio was as tall and this wide, had the dials on it. You abs- absolutely know. If you're my age, you absolutely or older, you know totally what I'm talking about. And if you're a kid, you have no idea why a radio would be that big. Uh, Dad had it, and then there, what I rem- what I remember, there was a lightning strike, and the radio took the brunt of it, and it quit working. And Dad had a whale of a time finding somebody that would repair that with its vacuum tubes. and the, I think he found one guy in New England, and he had to have that thing shipped off to New England to get it fixed. To get, I can't even begin to imagine cost or hassle, but it mattered to him. I get it. It mattered to him. That, that radio was, was, a, was a beautiful thing that reminded him of his childhood. And, you know, and it, it's kind of like antique cars. The difference between a piece of junk in an antique car for the same model is just the amount of effort someone puts into it. Um, 
That's, that, uh, that, that's, that's how that works of what we put into it. Why, why, have an, why have a junked up old car when you could put a little effort into it and have an antique worth something? Why, why be broken when it can be fixed with effort? And that's true for us. Why be broken when we can be fixed? Somebody says, Jason, I didn't know I was broken. Well, then I'm glad you came today. <laughs> We're broken. That's why Jesus died for us. This is, this is not how things were meant to be. This world that is broken around us, this is the price of free will. Uh, uh, God's a little crazy. And what I mean by that, because the Bible says the foolishness of man is the wisdom of God and the foolishness of God is, is, is man's wisdom and the other way around. And, and I, if I was the creator of a world and made a perfect world, and Genesis tells me in the beginning it was very perfect, and then he left it in our hands and we messed it up. And that's kind of crazy to create a perfect world and then turn it over to imperfect people and say, you guys are in charge. It's kind of like letting the 16-year-old drive the car. Um, I mean, you can do it. And, and people do that, and then accidents happen. But, but the reason that we do that is that our 16-year-olds matter more than the car. And there are times I let my daughter do things knowing she will mess it up and that I could do it better. But how is she ever going to learn? And how is she going to be an adult? And how is she going to come into her own if we don't? Last night, Pam let her cook. Uh, we were doing some hamburger. And Pam let her doctor up her own, with her own herbs and spices, her own patties. I've never seen so much cayenne pepper <laughs> and paprika in the same burger. And she ate it. She, she, she likes her hot food. Um, I like hot food, <laughs> but but that's how she's going to learn, right? And it's her burger, and it's just. But there are other things that we will entrust with her, and she will mess it up. And I could have done it better, but how is she going to learn? And it is amazing leaving this world, this beautiful world, in a ha- in the hands of screw ups like us. But he loves us. We we wrecked it. I think that we've wrecked our world by and large, pollution and all these other things. But he still put it in our hands because to not do that is to take away the most important gift I think he's given us, which is free will. We were made to be better than this. We just abandoned the plan. But God didn't just abandon us and say, oh, you're on your own, you messed it up. But he offers us grace. He offers to save us from this mess that we've made. What counts, says Paul, is a new creation. Law doesn't matter. Being Jewish or Gentile doesn't matter. We can get so bogged down in legalism. That's the threat of Christians. So there are, there are two extremes that we can fall into. Um, the one is to just dig in our heels. I'm right. I'm always right. I will never apologize. Uh, if you know, gaslighting is when I try to make, when I mess up, I try to figure out how it's your fault. Um, some people do that. Uh, absolutely. Um, but that's, of course, not true. God's way is right, and Jason is always wrong. Now, the other extreme is to go the other way and say, God's grace is so amazing and so awesome that I can do whatever I want to do because God's grace covers all of that, and it's not that I'm always right, it's God's always right, and because God is always right 
and because I'm saved, it doesn't matter what I do. Uh, anything goes. But Paul says we're called to be a new creation, which means I can't keep doing all the old stuff I was doing that I needed to be saved from because then I'm not a new creation. How can I be a new creation if I'm just doing the same old stuff? Sin is still a problem that has to be dealt with. It was dealt with on the cross, but it's a problem in my life that I still need to get rid of. Uh, It keeps me from being a new creation. Sin is what drags me back. It's the enemy of every Christian. It hurts my relationship with God. Holding to the outward signs of religion, but being no different on the inside, well, that's just hypocrisy. The problem that we have is that speck of sawdust that we see in other people while we have that plank. I've got to worry about that. And I don't mean worry like stresses me out, lose sleep over it. I just have to pay attention to it. The Spirit wants to change me, and I need to get out of the way and let the Spirit change me. Partner with the Spirit. We've talked about that, that word synergism. Paul says we should examine ourselves. So where do I get legalistic? You know, I, we can, just, we, we can say the church, you know, there are churches out there that don't use pianos. We could say, man, can you imagine being that legalistic? There, there are churches that, that insist on how you dress on a certain Sunday, and, the, and you must have, men must have jacket and ties, and women must have dresses. And we can say, man, that's legalistic. But the same people that will say that, I've seen people, uh, King James only, I remember that there was a new church in southern Illinois that founded, and they put in the paper they were founding this church, King James Bible only. And I remember my members laughing about that and then getting livid about the fact that one day I changed the order of the service. We did announcements before church instead of after. I do like after. And I moved them to after, and they went through the roof. And the next board meeting, it was put in the bylaws, the order of service, so that the preacher could never change order of service. Which is so biblical. <laughs> we can get so caught up in bits of legalism that are just us and then complain about everybody else's legalism. How dare, how dare they make changes that we would never do? The rule of righteousness is simple. We want a right relationship with God. Not our own legalism. We want to know God and Him alone through His Son Jesus. We want the Spirit to recreate us, to be that new creation. We want God to pick what that looks like, not us. There is this idea of agree to disagree. There are things we can agree to disagree on. I wish we were better about agreeing to disagree on politics. It's become pretty messy these days. But politics is just going to have to be an agree to disagree. Um, Best TV shows, best sports, best sports teams, who will agree to disagree. I math, two plus two is four. There's no agree to disagree. Um, doc, doctors. I, I know what, if I have surgery, I do not want my doctor to say, well, I know that the medical community knows that this, anesth- this, this anesthetic works and numbs you, but I want to try something different today that's never been tried before. I don't want that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't want it. I don't want your opinion on, I want, I want what's tried and true, right? I, science medicine you know with 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 our experiments and things we we learn what works and what isn't and and 
and, and I, want that, I want that truth. In, in matters of faith, I want, in my life, when I say matters of faith, walking with God, his way is right, and it's not an agree to disagree or, well, I'm going to do my way. Now, hear me. My walk with faith is going to look different than yours. My relationship with God is not going to look the same as yours, but not because I set the agenda. All of us are following God. He doesn't follow us. We let him call the shots. Our relationship with God is directed by him, not the other way around. And I've given the example that my, one of my golf buddies back in Illinois, he would skip church, he drank too much, he was, he was not a good person. And when I would try to talk with him, ah, God and I, we have an agreement. No, telling, telling God the terms is not the same thing as having an agreement. Telling God I'm going to drink 24 beers in a night, every night, not go to church, all of the, that's not an agreement with God. That's just you dictating to God, and that's not a relationship, and that's not faith. God picks, we don't. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 560. So don't be, don't, be, don't be discouraged or intimidated by the word righteousness. We can be righteous. We can be restored to the relationship that God wants to have with us. Can't do it without Christ. His sacrifice is what saves us um, and, and always will be. But it's on us to accept him. It's on us, having accepted him, to walk with him through his spirit. This is what it means to walk in a new life and to be a new creation. We turn it over to him. He is in charge. If you haven't made, if you haven't let God be in charge, if you're still trying to hang on to it and be in charge of your own life, you're not saved. Let me be blunt. If you want to talk about what that looks like to be that new creation, to be a Christian, I want to talk with you. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristalkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.